Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. All right, John chapter 5. I'm going to read several verses, so I want to pray first uh, before, we, before we read this. Father, we love you today and thank you. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for these beautiful people that are here, these amazing people. Your sons and daughters, as your word declares in Revelations, the kings and queens of the earth. And together we, we pray today. Lord, we pray for this time, for this moment. We surrender our hearts, our minds, our wills, our emotions to you for your leading, for your guiding. We say, Holy Spirit, lead and guide us to truth. Father, speak to us through your word and by your Holy Spirit. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be at work within our spirit so that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we would know you better and that we would know the exceeding greatness of your power and that by the revelation of your word that our lives would go forward today. Today, each one of us, we'd take a step closer to who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I say something nice to your neighbor. Would you tell them how pretty they are or something like that? Amen. Um, the very same thing, I want to point something out. Maybe you didn't notice it, but the very same thing happened in the first service. I said, tell your neighbor how pretty they are, and that happened, and then people started laughing. And, and, I, and listen, I, I don't know why you're laughing. I, I don't know if you're laughing because you're a dude and just had to say that to a dude, but um, maybe, maybe it, it took a lot of extra faith to actually say that to the person sitting next to you. I, I'm not sure all the reasons that why you would laugh. However, here's what I know, that, that when you edify somebody, the air just gets lighter. The atmosphere just picks up, and, and joy comes in the, in the room. And so I, I would just say to you that, that if you find yourself in a dark place and, and a place where there's some depression and some anxiety and some stress, just start edifying somebody, and you'll notice right away that the atmosphere will change. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 1. Have you found it? If you had not found it by now, just stop looking. And uh, maybe they'll have it on the screens for you. But John chapter 5 and verse 1. I like to laugh in church. I hope you do too. Uh, I, I, there's someone very close to me, a loved one of mine, that doesn't think it's very funny. And uh, she told me one time, church is not a comedy club, Brandon. You need to stop cracking so many jokes. And I, I just told her, well, I'm glad you're only visiting. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, just playing. Just playing. Just playing. I love you, Grandma. Uh, all right, all right. John, <laughs> John chapter 5 and verse 1. Are you ready? All right. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the water, into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. 
And Jesus said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. How many of you are familiar with this story? Good. Uh, if you're not, you will be before we're done. Um, but let me just say this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say several things. And I've got to talk fast because we're on a time clock. And so can you listen fast? Okay, if you listen fast, I'll talk fast, and we'll get this done, and all of us will be better for it. Yes, amen. And, uh, but I'm going to make some assumptions about what you know in the Scriptures. And I'm only making that assumption because I know your pastor, and I know that he teaches you the Word. And so I'm just going to assume that there are some things that you don't know. If you don't know certain things that I'm about to say, and maybe I jumped too far for you, just ask your neighbor. They're likely to know. Um, if they don't know, just come see me after the service, and we can sit down and have a Sunday school class. Um, but uh, there's some important things here in this verse of Scripture. First of all, Jesus is a healer, isn't he? Isn't that amazing that Jesus could just walk into a place like that and say, rise, take up your bed and walk, and it just happens. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, but after, as I looked at this and I, I um, was observing this, if I could title today, I would just say it like this, no longer stuck. You know, there are times in our lives where we, where we have experiences, either, either challenges, and they can be good challenges, but, but difficult. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's a good challenge, but it, but it really stretches us and really works on us, and we have to do some things and make some hard choices, but, we, but it's good. The outcome is good. We have those events in our life. We have, we have tragedies. We have, we have sorrows. We have losses. We have things that happen to us that, that can, can, our life can be going along just fine, and then all of a sudden it just feels like everything just comes to a screeching halt. It's like, how do I... How do I keep? I'm stuck. Something happened and I got stuck. But God doesn't want your life to be stuck. He wants your life to move forward. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 12, when God promises to Abraham a promise that is our promise today, when he said, I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing, that word bless in the Hebrew means I'll cause your life to go forward. So God has a plan that your life would go forward. He doesn't want you sitting still. He, doesn't want you, he certainly doesn't want you stuck. And sometimes we get stuck because of what some people do to us. Yes? If that person's sitting next to you, don't look at them. But, if it, but we, we get stuck sometimes because of what some people do. Yes? And we get stuck sometimes because of what the devil does. He's awful. He, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes we get stuck because of, because of things that he does and blows that he, he strikes at us. And then there's sometimes where we get stuck because we just do some things to ourselves. All right, I'll look down. I won't make eye contact with anybody. But we just do some things to ourselves and we find ourselves stuck but I got good news for you today. Whether, whether somebody did it to you or the devil did it to you or you did it to yourself, God still has a way to get you out of it. And he still wants to get you out of it. Amen. He still loves you. He still has a plan. He still has a plan. He still has a plan. Jeremiah tells us very clearly, Jeremiah 29, 11, he has a plan. And he has thoughts about your life, that you, your life will be filled with peace. Yes? His plan is to prosper you. So that you can have a future, so you can have a hope. That's his plan. I still go back to Jeremiah 29 11. Every time I've messed up or someone caused me harm, I go back to Jeremiah 29 11, and it still says that God still has a plan. It hasn't changed. So no matter what you've been through or no matter where you are right now, God still has a plan. And he hasn't changed his mind about it. He still has a plan to prosper your life. So, so, so no matter where you are, you know, some people think, well, well I, just, I was dealt a bad hand. I was, already, I was born at a disadvantage. Okay. I just believe that with God, every hand's a winning hand. No matter what you've been dealt, the world may look at it and say, that's a losing hand for sure. But God says, watch me. Watch me. 
And, and I, I, I'm saying that in, in part because I believe it from the Word of God, but I'm also saying it in part because I've seen it happen, and you've seen it happen. You've seen it happen in your life. You've seen it happen in other people's lives. My mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is a shining example to me of a, of, a, of a horrible hand that was dealt, but yet became the winning hand for her life. And she, she, she's, she has eight kids. My wife is the eighth of eight kids. They're Hispanics. That's what they do. I'm sorry. Where are the Hispanics? The Hispanics? La raza. Yes, amen. All right. <clears throat> my, my, my wife is the youngest of eight. There's seven girls and one boy, and he moved to Florida. I get it. But everybody else is right here. Everybody's right where we live. All the sisters are all right there. And, uh, and so my wife is, is, is the youngest, and, 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 and my wife was six months old, and my mother-in-law's husband walked out on her because they found out that there was a, another baby that had been born earlier from another woman. You guys understand that scenario. This, I don't need to give you biology class. But, um, and so he, he left and left my mother-in-law with eight kids and, and, and no, no path forward. And, and my mother-in-law uh, did what some people do. She turned to alcohol and, and just dove headlong into it. And, and one time she woke up in my wife's crib. My wife, again, was six months old when that happened, and one morning my mother-in-law woke up having passed out drunk in my wife's crib. And my, my wife as a baby wasn't there, and she panicked. But what had happened is one of the older sisters came in and saw it and took my wife out of the crib to take her to another room to take care of her. And at that moment, my mother-in-law woke up and she said, I can't live like this. I can't live like this. And she heard, she heard about a tent meeting that was going on. And she went down to a tent meeting. And the preacher there asked if anyone wanted to give their heart to Christ. And my mother-in-law did at that moment. Her life dramatically changed. Took all of her kids and got them into church. And her life started turning around. Almost immediately it turned around. They found themselves in great poverty because of the event, but all of a sudden they started climbing out. Resources started coming to them. The kind of miracles that we hear about, the kind of miracles where we hear about where, where they're, they're out of food and all of a sudden they open the door and there's two bags of groceries sitting on the front porch because God used somebody to bring deliverance to them and, hope, and they realized that this is different. This is a different way to live. And their life started going forward. And, and now today, my mother-in-law is in church, all of her family is in church, all of their spouses are in church, all of their kids are in church, and completely turn the tide of the direction of their family and where they were headed. And I tell you, as the recipient of the eighth child, I am glad they changed direction. I'm glad. But you can. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to think that there's no way out. But let me tell you something. This, this place here where this man is, this lame man, where he is, it, 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 even though it sounds like a beautiful place, Bethesda, and they got five porches, and there's a chance that somebody could get healed if they would just come. I'm telling you, Bethesda's a trap. Bethesda's a trap because this guy's been there 38 years. It's the kind of place that overpromises and underdelivers. It says you can be healed here, maybe, if you can just get to the pool fast enough. But while you're in your disability and in your hurt and in your pain, we're going to build some porches and provide some shade to make you comfortable with your disability. 
And in our lives, when we suffer blows like that, oftentimes if we don't deal with it, we'll find ourselves building shade to help us cope with this problem. And we start to make adjustments in our lives, and we're limping, and we think we're walking straight because we've made all these adjustments, but now we're walking like this. And people are looking at us saying, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And it's not fine. It's not fine. What you've done is you've built a porch, and you've made yourself comfortable with a disability rather than dealing with it. And I'm telling you today in the church of Jesus Christ, we allow people to stay hurt far too long. The church is not a place for hurting people to come and stay hurt. It's a place for hurting people to come and be healed. It's not a place to come provide shade for the disability. It's a place to come find deliverance from the disability. This guy's here 38 years sitting in the shade. And Jesus comes in and he asks him an unusual question. He says, do you, do you want to be well? Come on, we would think, of course, he's a lame man, of course. No, no, see, Jesus was, Jesus was pushing past the outward, the outward disability to a mindset. Do you even want this? Because sometimes you can make so many adjustments for the disability that it's easier to just stay that way. And if I get healed, well, now I've got to redo everything. It's hard to do that. Sometimes it's just easier to just stay like you are. And so Jesus asked him, do you, do you want to be well? This, see, this wasn't, this wasn't blind Bartimaeus calling out saying, Jesus, heal me. Jesus picked this guy out on his own. Jesus, I don't know what made Jesus pick that guy. We would think it was something divine. However, there's just a, it says there's lots of lame people, lots of blind, lots of paralyzed, lots of people there that are sick. And Jesus just goes, mm, how about this guy? He says, do you want to be well? And the guy says, well, I don't have anybody to get me to the, I don't have anybody to get me to the water. You see, the horrible thing about Bethesda, our Bethesda, is if you stay there long enough, it starts to convince you that it's your fault that you're not healed yet. If I just had somebody to help me. I haven't got healed yet, so maybe, I, maybe I'm not praying enough. Maybe I'm not reading my Bible enough. Maybe I deserve this because I'm in this because of choices that I made. And there's this convincing that comes in that says, it's your fault that you're like this. It's your fault. Well, the truth may be that it's your fault that you're there. But it's bad thinking is why you're staying there. And God doesn't want you to stay there. And Jesus comes in and he says, do you want to be well? And he, says, he starts making all these excuses. I don't, I, you know, I don't have anybody to help me. And Jesus said, I, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the Bible says that he did what? He rose, picked up his bed, and walked. Now, here's what's amazing. If you keep reading further in the scriptures, he didn't even know who Jesus was. Because people ask him, who, who healed you? Mm. Huh, I don't even know. I don't, he said he looked around and didn't find, I don't even know who it was. It's just Jesus walked in and gave him a different way to think and a way to talk. He says, he says everybody's saying, you got to stay here, you got to stay here. This is the path to this. This is the process that you have to go down in order to receive your healing. And Jesus came in with a new process and says, just get up. And the lame man went, I like it. And he just picked up his bed and walked. Yeah, I never thought of that before. But you know, to get unstuck, you got to start saying some things that you've never said before. Yeah. 
you got to start changing the way that you talk. What are you willing to say? I felt like the Lord spoke that to me a few months ago. What are you willing to say? What, what are you willing to step out and say that's never been said before? You know, there's, a, there's an interesting story about a centurion, and, and he, he was asking for his servant to be well, and Jesus says, yeah, I'll come heal your servant. So he goes on a walk with the, and, and somewhere along the way, the centurion says, you know what, just, just speak the word, and I know my servant can be well. And Jesus said, okay. And so he spoke the word. Now, what's interesting about that to me is that I just think, okay, if Jesus could do that, why didn't he do that at the first? Why didn't he say, you know what, I don't even need to come to your house. Let me just speak the word. If he could have done it, and he did do it that way, why didn't he do it at the first? Well, I think I know, and I think it's beautiful. The kingdom of heaven is so tilted and bent towards your faith, be it to you according to your faith, that at the beginning of the process, faith said, I need you to come to the house. But somewhere along the way, the centurion thought of something else, and he said, you know what, never mind. Just speak the word. And Jesus responded to his faith right there. And, and here's, here's the beautiful part. Jesus, even though he has an answer, a quicker way to do it, if your faith is not there, he'll go on a long walk with you if that's what it takes. If that's where your faith is, he'll walk with you because it's according to your faith, not according to his faith. It's according to your faith. And their faith was, we need you to come to the house. The centurion's faith was, no, just say the word. And Jesus responded to both. Yes, he did. Some people say, don't put God in a box. I agree with that. Don't put God in the box. But here's the beautiful thing about God. If you're in a box, he'll just get in there with you. He's okay with that. You know, let, let him out of the box. But I'm just saying, if, if that's where your faith is, he'll, he'll climb right in with you. Because he loves you. It's not about the box to him. It's about you. And where's your faith? And what are you thinking about him? He'll get right there with you. God loves you. I know you know that, but I just want to say again, God loves you. He is so, he loves you to pieces. He loves every part of you. And wherever you are, that's where he wants to be. Some people act like God's so far and he's, you got to attain all this stuff and you got to do all this to get to him. No, no, he just comes where you are. The Bible says that we were foreigners and strangers. We were distant and far off, but now we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been brought near to him. And he is near to us. This lame man, the Bible says that he left that place and ran into some Pharisees. And they're the ones that asked him, who healed you? And he said, I don't know. I don't know who he was. So obviously they knew he was the lame man and he was healed. But then they get mad at him. Because it was the Sabbath, and he was carrying his bed. Okay. You talk about a group of people that are stuck in a mentality. Obviously, you're healed, but come on, you're carrying your bed. Shame on you. I'm walking! I know, but you're carrying your bed. I don't even get it. I don't even get it. But, the, but, but here's the sad part to me, is that it says that when Jesus found him later, he was in the temple with those Pharisees. So he just adjusted to whatever they said and went with them. And Jesus says this to this lame man. And when I read it, I just thought, why would you say that, Jesus? 
He says to the lame man, he says, don't sin anymore because something else could come on you. Something worse could come on you. I just think, okay, hold on a second. There was a woman that was caught in an adultery and Jesus said to her, don't sin anymore. That makes a lot of sense. Am I talking to the right people? Yeah. A woman is caught in adultery and Jesus says, stop sinning. Okay, makes perfect sense that he would say that. Here's a lame man, been lame for 38 years, and Jesus finds him in church, and he says, stop sinning. <laughs> what has this guy been doing for 38 years? That Jesus felt the need to say to him, stop sinning. It's not like he's been out committing adultery. <laughs> he hasn't been killing anybody or committing thievery. He's, he's a lame man stuck at the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus says, stop sinning. You see, sin is not defined as adultery. Sin is not defined as murder or thievery, although those things are sin. The definition for sin is to miss the mark. And he told this man, stop missing the mark. You see, what, what had happened for 38 years, he allowed his mind to be conformed to the opinions of other people. To say, you got to do it this way if you're going to be healed. you got to stay in this place or it's never going to happen. And Jesus liberated him from that place. And the very next thing he does is allows his mind to be conformed again by another group of people. And he gets himself stuck in that place. And Jesus says, stop this. Because if you don't stop this, something worse is going to happen. So to get out of stuck, you first got to be like Jesus, start saying some new things. And secondly, you got to start thinking some new things. Some, some, some would say, well, maybe you should stop thinking first and then you know, change what you think and then, then start changing what you say. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Because you don't fight thoughts with thoughts, you fight thoughts with words. Because if you're saying something out of your mouth, your mind can't start thinking something else. It is so focused on what you're saying. So if you need your thoughts to change, you've got to first start changing what you're saying and then your thoughts will change to what you're saying. But you've got to change what you're thinking and stop letting other people's opinions dictate your life. The third thing that I think is important for getting your life unstuck, because to get, to get unstuck, you're going to have to say some things that are going to sound a little bit ridiculous, right? I mean, jo Joshua stood out on a battlefield and said, son, stand still. Okay, he had no precedent that that was even possible. There, there was no record, historical record, where that was the common way that God did things. This is the first time. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there's never been a day like that ever, before or after. It's never happened again. But what we know scientifically is the sun ain't moving. So God responded to him still. He said, sun, stand still. And God responded to him because he knew what he meant. And so he, God knew what it was going to take. And what it was going to take is he was going to have to make the whole solar system stand still. And he did it. I, I just find that God's not quite the confession police as we are. And, and he just knows what you mean. And, and you don't have to have everything exactly right. Just start saying some things. And other people may say, that sounds ridiculous. I know. It's awesome. God's going to fill in the gaps. Something great's going to happen because I'm, I've changed what I'm thinking and what I'm saying. I've started changing what I'm, what I'm, what's coming out of my mouth. I'm declaring for the sun to stand still, even though it requires the whole universe to stand still. It doesn't matter. God knows what I need in this moment. And if I'll just dare say something that's never been said before, God will respond in kind. Yeah. 
So yeah, you gotta, you got to say some ridiculous things and you got to think some ridiculous thoughts. Something that's really important is you need to find some people that'll be ridiculous with you. There's a story about Jonathan, Saul's son. The army of Israel is surrounded by the Philistines. And Jonathan and his armor bearer get separated from the group. And they're stuck under the edge of a cliff by themselves. And every time they come out, they're getting arrows shot at them and spears thrown at them. And so they have to stay under the edge of this cliff because the Philistines have the high ground and they're up on top. And Jonathan says the most stupid thing. He turns to his armor bearer and he says, I got an idea. How about, how about you and I climb this cliff and let's take on the whole army by ourselves? What? Let's, let's climb the cliff and you and I, let's just take on the whole army by ourselves. And then, but he says this really, really powerful thing. He says, God saves, whether it's with many or with few. doesn't matter. God saves. And just maybe. You know, I think we've got to get some just maybes in our mouth a little bit. Too often times we, we think we have to say, God said. Why don't we just adapt the, 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 the slogan, let's just have a go at it. Or let's just try. And then after it works out, then say, yeah, God told me that. You don't have to say it from the beginning. But we think we have to have a divine word from God before we try anything. I love that Jonathan just said, just maybe. Okay, your life is at stake, Jonathan. You can't, you can't, you can't act on a just maybe. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. With God, I think he loves the just maybes. Those who will just say, well, maybe, let's try. It may not have been God's idea, but the minute you take that step, I think it becomes his idea. It was, it was Joshua's idea to stop the sun. It wasn't God's idea. But we do, we do what Andrew did. He brought the lunch to Jesus, and he said, they're going to feed 5,000. And he says, he goes, well, here's some bread and some fish. Ah, but what's that among so many? See, we, we, we start to step out into ridiculous, and then we call it ridiculous rather than calling it faith. We take a step with something that we say or something that we think, and we step out there, and we go, ah, never mind, that was dumb. I was, God, forgive me, I didn't even say that. I didn't even mean to say that. That was greedy. That was whatever. It was ridiculous. Never, never mind. I call a crop failure on that in Jesus' name. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever terminology we want to use, we, I, I'm, I'm not going there. I don't want that. I don't want. But, but here's the thing. I think God loves that kind of ridiculous thing. I think he loves it. And, and, and Jonathan's armor bearer, you would think somebody's got to be reasonable here. That's me. I, I'm that guy. Just, just give me the rules. I like the instructions. Just give me the rules. I like patterns. I like process. I like all of that stuff. I like eating at the same restaurant where they know me and ordering the same thing over and over. My wife thinks I'm a total bore because uh, she wants to try everything and go all new places. I, no, 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 I don't need that. Um, I, just, I, I just, you know, and so I, I think, okay, okay, well, first of all, we've got to put some math to this. Let's, there's 25,000 of them, and there's... <laughs> There's a, something's not adding up here, Jonathan. How, how, about, how about maybe at night we can sneak over and grab a few Israelites to come help us? No, but his armor bearer just says this. I'm with you. Whatever's in your heart, let's do it. See, you need some people like that in your life. You need some people that when you say something so ridiculous, they just go, that's crazy. Yes, let's do it. Let's do that. 
You, gotta, you, you need those people in your life. It helps you get unstuck. You don't need those people that are always like, well, you need to have a plan B. You got to have backup. That's dumb. You don't want to risk it all. Yes, we want to risk it all because we don't want to stay where we are. We want our lives moving forward. It means we've got to shed some things. We've got to start talking different and thinking different and get some people around us who will join us in our ridiculousness. God wants your life forward. He has a great plan. He has a great plan. Don't let your life get stuck. I'll finish with this. One of the things that's really important in order to start thinking, or talking different, thinking different, and to pick the right kind of friends is you need to take some time and pause and take a real good self-assessment of you to say, okay, this is who I am. This is where I am. This is why I am where I am. This is what I've been saying. This is what I've been thinking. This is who I've been around. Now, this needs to change, this needs to change, and this needs to change. You know, in the, the city of Jerusalem, they, they had the walls around in various gates. As a matter of fact, this says that the pool of Bethesda was by the sheep gate. So they had these various gates that had certain roles, and one of the gates was called the judgment gate. And the judgment gate was not a place where judgment was passed. It wasn't a courtroom, but the judgment gate was a place of self-reflection. It was where people came to self-judge, to look at themselves and say, okay, this, to, to, to take the tally and say, okay, this is what I have, this is what I've done, and this is what I have. So I want this, so I need to change these things. And, and, and I think that we need to have somewhere in our heart and in our mind a judgment gate where we can take an assessment and look at the details of our life because the details are so important. You know, one little detail sometimes can really throw you off course. You get the wrong perspective about something, it can throw you off course. Uh, uh, perspective has a lot to do with it. Yeah, you know, they say that a, the, a picture paints, uh, uh, or paints a thousand words. Uh, a, a picture, there's a thousand words in a picture. It, the problem is there are a thousand different words, and everybody's looking at it thinking something different. You, you know, a snapshot of something doesn't always tell you the truth. Um, so so you've got you to pay attention to a lot of the details. Uh, I remember my nephew and I, we went to Mozambique, Africa, and, and we were there. And, and Mozambique had been uh, annihilated from civil war, and everything was destroyed. All the wildlife you think of, the elephants and the, lion, and the lions and, the, and the, uh, the rhinoceros and all that, none of that exists in Mozambique because they killed it all because they had to eat it because they were starving. So there's no wildlife. It's just, it's just in ruin. And we were at this place where they had this wall, and, and there was big, big holes, big, big holes in the wall. And, and I wanted to take a picture of it. Well, I took a picture of it, and when I looked at the camera, it, you couldn't tell how big the hole was because there was nothing to give a, a comparison to. So I told my nephew, Paul, I said, Paul, go over and put your hand on the wall next to the hole so that we can see how big the hole is. And so Paul walks over, and he puts his hand on the wall like this. And I sent a picture, and the hole's this big. So he's got his hand right here. So now, now we can see. Oh, that's a giant hole. Well, before we left, the, 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 the people there had said, hey, do you mind if we just copy your pictures? We'd love to see what other people captured about, uh, you know, the area. And we're like, sure. So we download our pictures, and we get back to the United States. And about a month later, a newsletter comes out from this organization. And on the front cover of the newsletter is Paul, <laughs> like this. And the caption below says, visitor prays for our wall. You see, one, one little bit of wrong perspective sends you the wrong direction. So you need to take a real honest assessment of yourself and say, this is truly who I am. Don't look at yourself and say who you want to be at first. Look at who you are 
You know, sometimes, sometimes our walk of faith, there's this, there's this pressure in the walk of faith, in the word of faith, in the confession of faith that, that, that makes us think that we can't actually be honest. I'm not talking about declaring all of your stuff to everybody. I'm talking about taking an honest assessment of yourself and saying, this is where I am. Okay? I feel sick, but I am healed. But there's a point where you have to recognize your body's not well. It's not well. But by the word of God, you have been declared well, so then we declare that. But we have to take the first assessment before we can get to the second one. Before we get to the second declaration. Yes? We don't look at, at, at how sick our bodies are and go, man, I'm sick. No, we look at it when we take an honest assessment and then we start to declare God's word about that. And so you need to take an honest assessment of yourself and look at yourself, look at the picture of your life, say, okay, this is it. Now I'm going to go forward because the details matter. God wants your life forward. Things aren't just going to work out because you're awesome, although I know you are awesome. It just doesn't work like that. Good marriages don't happen by default for Christians. Your marriage is not going to be great because you're born again. However, you have an advantage for your marriage to be great because you are born again. The Bible says we're co-laborers. So you got to put your hands on it. You got to get busy. God wants your life forward, and you can do it. Stand to your feet, would you please? If you would just bow your heads, I'd like to pray for you. Father, we love you today and thank you, Lord, for each person that's here. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that, that helps us see that you take no pleasure in our lives being stuck. You take no pleasure in our disappointments. You take no pleasure in our troubles. But in every way, you have a way out. In every struggle, in every trial, every challenge that we face, you have a way out. Because you desire for our lives to go forward. Lord, we're so grateful that today we woke up and your word still said that your plan is to prosper us and to give us peace so that we could have a future and a hope. Lord, we're grateful that you haven't changed your mind about us. So today, we say we're not changing our minds about us either. Today, we still believe that the, the hopes and dreams in our heart are still your hopes and dreams for our life, and so we're gonna push forward to those things. Lord, if there's some in here today who have found themselves stuck because of what other people have done or what they've done to themselves, Lord, I, just, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for courage in their hearts, faith to rise in their hearts so that they can take that step away from that and stop being identified by the failures and the disappointments and, and stop declaring all the bad stuff that has happened. But today we declare in the name of Jesus that our life is going forward because our life is blessed. Yes. Yes. Because you said so. We're blessed because you said so. Right. Not because of what we've done, but because of you. And so, Lord, we declare that our lives are filled, as, a, as, it, as it was for David, that we would have long life filled with good days. Lord, I'm asking, again, for courage to take steps, even, in, even if they've made modifications, to accommodate for the struggle or the disability, that today they have the courage to let go of that, to walk into a new life, filled with life, filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with health. I pray that you would surround them with friends who will jump in with them and say, yes, let's do that. Friends who will encourage and build them up. Lord, your word says that you crown our year 
with good things. You, with goodness, you crown our year. And that, that means that you crown us with good people. You surround us with good people. Lord, I thank you for good people coming around them to strengthen them and support them and hold them up as they take these new steps of faith to say something different, to think something different, and to embrace new relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a good hand clap for his word? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.